Atamaria, welcome to First Up. This is Rapa Wednesday, the 15th of February. Cornathan Rarere Aho. Coming up, ex cyclone Gabrielle has left the trail of destruction. Met Service meteorologist Heath, Heath Gallery is with us. Uh, we'll ask if the worst is over and areas that should still be looking out. Uh, today, a group of Tongan workers had to be rescued from a roof in Hawke's Bay. Uh, we hear from flood hit residents in Northland too. They evacuated after Monday's rainfall. And Coromandel, of course, was left isolated after the intense winds damaged power lines, flattened trees and blocked roads. Our reporter Leonard Powell was among those stranded on the peninsula. The wind was blowing, flooding everywhere, uh, roofs lifting, sheds flying all around the place and people worried. We welcome to First Up. It's Nathan Rarere here. We will have uh, coverage as much as we can bring you uh, to do, of course, uh, with Cyclone Gabrielle. And uh, look, there's still many areas without power. Now, those of the those people living there will understand they still don't have power, but this is more about for uh, those of you that might be anxious, still trying to get hold of family just to hear. Uh, and so we'll, we'll give you details as we can as we move through the program. We'll have Met Service with us very soon too. Uh, to, uh, I know in Auckland the wind has gone, but um, for the rest of the, uh, particularly down the uh, eastern side of the North Island and also top of the south as well, we'll, we'll just have a check in with you and see what you've got in store for today. However, uh, we're going to uh, head to Australia first uh, in Brisbane. It's our correspondent Pam Corkery. Morena, uh, Pam, how are you? Marina, I'm waiting for some contact too, not from family, but from a mate out in PR, so that will be good. Yeah, yeah, it will be good. Hey, this is interesting. So the Australian War Memorial is under fire for accepting donations from weapons manufacturers, um, but it seems like I mean, a war memorial would be that. How much are we talking here? Well, we're talking nearly 900 grand or just over 850, which isn't a huge donation, but 28 grand of it is a donation from Boeing for a Remembrance Day dinner. And I think nothing says chow down like a dinner funded by instruments of death. (laughs) And those upset uh, by the source of the money are historians, some veterans and retired memorial staff. They've long criticised the institution's acceptance of money from arms manufacturers. And really, I kind of get it. Boeing, Lido's, which I've just researched, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman and Thales. Yes, it sounds like I slurred there. I didn't. Um, they, They all supply war stuff, you know, like... Small diameter bombs, small, big, who cares? Boeing's the largest, and they provide for, provide for the dinner and three exhibitions. But, you know, they've made money out of Afghanistan and all sorts of places. What's your call on it? I, you know, at first when I saw it, I thought, well, I guess it's war. That's probably why they feel that they're, you know, aligned with it to, to donate. But, yeah, like you say, I mean, it's a memorial for people that died. And, and those yeah. are the instruments of, of death. So, yeah. This, uh, this, this is another thing, too. The, the Chinese spy balloons in the United States, they're shooting them down. Uh, meanwhile, in Australia, concern about those Chinese-made cameras installed in offices of a number, a number of politicians. What's being done there? Well, they're probably installed all around the country. We do buy a lot off China. So someone in the Liberal Party side has revealed that 122 devices made by Chinese companies have been installed in electoral offices, not in government ones, not, you know, there at Parliament. So, um, you know, it just seems 
does it seem like overdoing it? Um, so the US Federal Communications Commission, they're the ones who have, I think, put the heavy on Australia, saying it's an unacceptable risk to national security. But there are spies everywhere in Australia. It quite shocks me when spies are, you know, sort of flushed out. Um, so the, the companies have been placed on the US trade blacklist and monkey see, monkey do, they're doing it in Australia. The the cameras that they've got haven't got recording facilities and aren't connected to anything. Right. Okay, right. Well, well, yeah, but, you know, suspicion's connected to everything, so that's what you can oh, get. Isn't it? I don't even trust you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are, you doing? <laughs> what are you doing with this recording, Pan Cookery? Hey, um, yeah. tell me this. The, the Prime Minister, uh, Anthony Albanese, is going to march in Sydney's Gay Mardi Gras. He'd be the first PM to do so, wouldn't he? He is indeed. He's the first sitting Prime Minister to march in not just Sydney's gay and lesbian Mardi Gras, but it's um, combined with World Pride Festival this month, which I didn't even know we had. And that's the first time the World Pride thing has happened in the Southern Hemisphere. And um, Albo will be joined by Foreign Minister Penzi Wong. I love the saying, the first openly gay woman in Parliament. But I suppose that's the way you describe it. So... This is happening on, um, it starts on Friday this week and goes till March the 5th and the parade is on the 25th. It's going to be flaming huge, you know, and among other people who are going to be there, there's like um, Kylie Minogue, obviously. And um, then the woman who, the transgender woman who did her song with Sam Smith, who just became the first trans woman in history to win a Grammy. Well, I'm thinking too, he's the PM, surely they can get him on a float, make him walk like a pauper? No, he's all about the walking, he's actually oh, he? quite fit and he does, He likes to be one of the people. Oh, he's getting his steps up, there we go. Yeah, Pam, exactly. Pam, thank you very much for your time, there we are, all the news Love out you. of Australia. Love you too, with uh, Pam Corkery here, it is 12 past 5 at first up. Look, we're um, getting to some weather coverage now, thousands of people across the North Island have endured another night without power and cell phone coverage. Uh, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins says the damage from ex-cyclone Gabrielle was the most significant since cyclone Bowler in 1988, with massive damage to roads across the country. He's warning people to stay home and avoid non-essential travel. Uh, is there going to be any uh, respite from the wild weather today for areas? Well, joining us uh, from the Met Service is Heath Gullery. Heath, thank you so much for your time. Um, if, if I could just jump to Gisborne and Hawke's Bay and, and just get some thoughts there as well, because I mean the, the flooding that was, was hitting, particularly in the low-lying areas around Napier, Taradale, Hastings sort of area, was, was pretty jarring to see. Is there calmer weather in the forecast for people around there today? Yes, uh, good morning Nathan, that's a really good question. Um, so yesterday's heavy rain is all eased as uh, Gabrielle's pushed out towards the uh, Chatham Islands today. Uh, but what we, what we can expect for Hawke's Bay and Gisborne today is uh, partly cloudy conditions and uh, isolated showers. So uh, fairly fairly dry conditions for today. Uh, unfortunately, tomorrow, however, we do, we are expecting a front to push up across those areas, uh, bringing a period of rain. Now, it's not expected to be large amounts of rain, but it will be unwelcome given what I've just had. So, as that front comes through tomorrow, those regions can expect around. Uh, 15 to 25 millimetres of rain and there is a chance of a thunderstorm or two around Gisborne as it goes through as well.
I mean, oh. goodness me. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's the thing, isn't it? You, you, you hope the wastewater can deal and get rid of some of that uh, from yesterday before they get hit by some rain tomorrow. What, what about, um, I saw the top of the South Islands too uh, mentioned in weather reports yesterday. I know that uh, people there might, might be interested just to hear. What, what's in store for them? Yeah, absolutely. So that front um, is sitting across the top of a South Island um, today and bringing heavy rain into eastern parts of Marlborough, pretty much south of the Seddon, um, and also some heavy rain into northern parts of Canterbury. Um, so that carries on for the remainder of today, and we do have a uh, orange heavy rain warning out for that eastern part of Marlborough and a yellow heavy rain warning for uh, northern parts of Canterbury. Um, and both of those areas uh, should see the heavy rain easing overnight tonight. Okay, that's good news for them. And, I mean, poor old Coromandel has been just absolutely smashed this, these last few weeks. It was horrible to see roading and everything falling away. Um, what, what have you got for them? Yeah, it's a big improvement for Coromandel. It's pretty much dry uh, today, so uh, it's some good respite for them. Okay. You know, comparison shopping is always a bit of an awful thing to do, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. Gabrielle, were those stronger winds and more rain than, than Cyclone Bowler? Well, that's a, a very good question, and probably would involve an in-depth study to, to kind of, um, you know, apples and oranges and all that. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I would say um, the, the impact uh, with gales and heavy rain with Gabrielle was certainly very widely uh, felt across uh, pretty much all of the North Island, with those bigger, the biggest impacts in the north and the east. Right. So there's, there's, yeah, there hasn't really been an ability to, to do a, a rain measure yet because, you know, obviously, I mean, there was the, the freak floods, what, last month in Auckland. Uh, was, it th- was it three months' worth of rain in, in four hours? And I'm just wondering, how are we doing so far for February? Did, would, would, would you know yet? Uh, I think for February, we're several times the average monthly rain in a lot of centres already. So it has been an exceptionally wet month. So for today, for New Zealand, basically around that north, particularly North Island, I guess, and top of the south, is it a day today where, where people can look forward to at least going, okay, it's not going to get worse for me today? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think for the North Island, it's a respite day today. Um, there is a bit of rain around Wairapa, Wellington, um, kind of Manawatu areas. Um, but I think for places that were hardest hit, like Hawke's Bay, Gisborne, Coromandel and Auckland, Northland, today's a respite day. Um, and being like I say, for tomorrow, just watch out for that rain returning to Hawke's Bay and Gisborne um, during tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. Not expecting large amounts, but it's going to be unwelcome. What, what about the winds? You know, because I mean, even, you know, Auckland last night, we, we still had really high winds through till quite a bit, quite a bit later than I thought. And uh, I know the local park where we are, you know, trees ended up going because the ground was, was um, obviously so damp and it went in. I mean, the, the rain going is good. What, what about the winds? When will people see the winds settle? Yeah, absolutely. So still got some pretty strong southwest winds across the upper North Island affecting North and Auckland, Coromandel this morning. Um, you should see those winds uh, drop off quite a bit this afternoon, just down, down to a, a breeze. Okay. Heath, thank you so much for your time. Uh, there is Heath uh, Gallery, a meteorologist there with the Met Service. So hopefully 
In there, uh, you, you managed to get some information which might be able to help you out, even if you're in an area where you can still get us. I know a lot of transmitters are down because power is down, uh, but also too, perhaps it, it might provide some comfort for you if you're still waiting to hear from people uh, in those affected areas. And they're obviously dealing with plenty of stuff uh, at the moment currently. So hopefully uh, that um, was a, a pickup at least. The rain is going and at least Gabrielle is bumping out uh, to the east. 5.18 here. Uh, you're listening to First Up on RNZ National with me, Nathan Rarity. You can always contact us on 2101. Well, uh, you would have seen the scenes yesterday, about 50 uh, Tongan orchard workers who were trapped by raging floodwaters on rooftops have now been rescued. A helicopter had to make the attempt to get them to dry land because the torrent surrounding them was just too strong for a boat. A community leader says that families in Tonga watched on as their relatives filmed while perched on those roofs, surrounded there by those trees. Our correspondent in Tonga is Kalafi Moala, who is uh, with us uh, right now. Uh, good, mo- good morning, Kalafi. Have, have you heard anything from the families of these workers? Yes, uh, the families are uh, pretty concerned. Uh, somebody had uh, uh, done a video, I guess, and put it out on social media uh, with those uh, guys on top of the roof and uh, needing to be rescued. But uh, and so the families were extremely concerned. Some of them had called up the radio stations. Uh, also, the government department that uh, doing the supervision of the of the seasonal workers also put out a press release on that. So, uh, in our little nation, there's been a, a lot of concern for uh, for the safety of those uh, uh, workers, particularly the 50 workers that are in the Hawks Bay area. And, and I suppose, Kalafi, too, as I, as I watch those workers there, I know that they've come in just recently uh, to, to help with the apple picking, and I thought they were probably around uh, for the eruption as well, wouldn't they? Oh, oh yes, yeah. They, so you can see there's still a lot of mental and emotional uh, stress uh, that's there whenever there's a, a weather uh, event or weather condition uh, affecting them. And, and the other thing, too, that I think it's important to mention is that about a week ago, it was reported here locally in Tonga that some of those workers are not uh, are in poor accommodation uh, conditions. And, and this has become a big issue here. It was reported that there were up to 12 uh, men being accommodated in, a, in one room. $150 were being taken weekly off their pay. Uh, they're paying for those accommodations. So, uh, if you can imagine, these are the guys that are the single uh, income earners for a, a lot of families here. And this is an opportunity for them to be out there. And so, these kind of things really affect uh, the, the families here. And everyone was concerned of their safety, their security, and how they're doing. Yeah, I mean, you know, the opportunity to go overseas to earn more money, I mean, you know, that's 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 understandable. It's, it's seen as something wonderful to get to do if it's the chance, but not if you're going into horrible conditions. I mean, does does that reflect poorly on New Zealand? Uh, it, it really does. And I know that our the government department here has uh, uh, expressed concern and there's dialogue that has continued on. Uh, there's been even uh, a raise of concern that there are abusive conditions where these workers are at. Uh, and, and so, uh, yeah, it, it's a, a concern. And, and of course, this uh, raised uh, a national consciousness 
uh, in Tonga here because of the, even with the flooding and the things that have taken place. And so the plight of those workers are really uh, very much a big uh, concern here in Tonga. Yeah. Well, Kalafi Moala, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, it's our correspondent who joins us there from Tonga. Yeah, the, the, the footage of them yesterday having to ferry themselves backwards and forwards on the you know the beds that were floating, you know, the floatable mattress, or even I think there was one with a fridge turned on its side uh, too, was, was just horrible to see. So it's good to hear uh, that they were rescued off, uh, off the roof there in Hawke's Bay. Twenty-two past five. Nathan Rarity here at first up on RNZ National. So uh, coming up, we're going to uh, have a look. Obviously, it was in case you missed. It was Valentine's Day yesterday. Uh, we'll uh, check in with one Auckland florist. I don't imagine it was a great day for them, but uh, also we hear from Northland. Thousands of people there left without power this week on Trade Me. A Rolls Royce fit for a king and Hilary Barry's Ginger Crunch. But first, Trade Me's Millie Sylvester tells producer Jeremy Parkinson about a house for sale in Christchurch, and it's got its own song. This is my house, this is my room If you'd like it to be yours it could be soon This is my lounge, my kitchen too I think it would suit someone just like you We've seen Kiwi try all sorts of things to market their listings in unique ways and, you know, just make it stand out, I guess, over the years. We've seen people dress up in costumes to sell a car or write a poem along with their listing, but we've never seen a song used to market a property. And that's what's happened in the Christchurch Beach suburb of New Brighton, where uh, a three-bedroom house has been promoted by 10-year-old Harper Bush singing that beautiful song to sell her family home. Yeah, and it's, it's a cute song by a cute kid for a cute little house, and I hope it works for them. It's, it's, really, quite, it's really quite a nice tune. It absolutely is, and it, it, like it's adorable, really, that you know they've they've decided to do this. And I mean, she can sing; she can really sing. So, you know, that this has been their family home for ten years, and you know, we really hope that this this does help them with the sales. So, if you want to check it out, it's on Pandora Street in New Brighton. Look that up; it's also on our cool auctions. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one. All right, I, I do like that. Variety of raising funds. Hilary Barry has put a ginger crunch up, but so have other celebrities. Hers is leading the charge at the moment. Two hundred and five dollars for Hilary Barry's ginger crunch. The mother of the nation, of course, would be a great baker, wouldn't she? But we've also got the mad butcher. We don't know what he's got up there. Probably a lump of meat. But we've got people like Jason Reeve, Eric Murray, Sonia Gray. Tell us a wee bit about these uh, auctions. This is something that I think is is a real really unique way of, of raising money, something that we haven't seen before either. And so Variety, the children char- charity, have decided to throw a bake sale on Trade Me, and they're doing that to raise funds for Kiwi kids in need and, you know, support families at this time of year when they're, you know, trying to get all the kids back to school. And they actually say that one in five Kiwi kids are going without school uniforms and stationery, which, you know, would make learning really, really tough. So it's pretty cool. They've got all these celebrity friends involved. They've all made their, their famous, you know, their mother's recipe, their grandmother's recipe or whatever's been handed down to them the best of the best and the baker will bake the goods 
for the buyer and then send it to them once the auction closes. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there's Gemma and Richie McCaw's Snicker Slice and Hilary Berry's Ginger Crunch. So 17 little sweet treats up for auction there from a variety of people, you know, get, getting behind this, which is really cool. I think Jason Gunn could have tried harder than pikelets, but that's, yeah, that's not up to me. I just one of those things. <laughs> They do look nice, though, pretty perfect. They do look good, and who knows, maybe he's making the jam, too, to go with it and the cream. Well, that would that would redeem him, I think. On the car front, now, I think if you're looking at any car from 1988 to buy, and it only had 8 1,800 miles on the clock, you'd get a good price for it. And I don't care what sort of car it is, but this one is a 1988 Rolls-Royce Corniche with only 8,800 original miles. This looks like it's just come out of a box. It really does. Like this, this car has been absolutely treasured, and it doesn't come up often. You know, when you see something that's in such good condition with such low kilometres on the clock, considering the age of this vehicle. Now, it's a drop-top convertible for those who don't aren't familiar. You know, with the Rolls-Royce Corniche, and it's this beautiful sort of mint green colour with this beige interior, the beige leather seats, and it's just immaculate. You know, it's a head-turning vehicle, and it. To be fair, it's something probably that you'd just actually keep in your garage and you'd be too scared to drive it down the street because it does come with a hefty price tag of $140,000. But, you know, considering this vehicle and its age and its absolutely pristine condition, it's actually a pretty good buy, I think. And, um, you know, it'll be amazing to see who takes this home. This one is in the lower hut if you wanted to go in and check it out. And it's had 7,000 views and 163 Kiwi have it. To their watch list so you know probably a lot of kiwi hoping they might win lotto this week and can take this one for a spin it's trade me's millie sylvester like sands through the hourglass so are the days of our lives it's february 15th let's have a look and see who's celebrating birthdays today and historically matt groaning uh, the man behind The Simpsons and Futurama. He's 69 years old today. Happy birthday to you, Matt. And Jane Seymour. Who didn't love Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman? Eh? You thought, oh, I hope I get a cold. Uh, anyway, there's uh, Jane Seymour, born Joyce Frankenberg uh, in uh, England. And she was born in 19... No, she was not born in 1972. She's 72 years old. That's uh, how old Jane Seymour is. On this day in 1564, he was just a poor boy from a poor family... Galileo, Galilei, thank you Jeremy, uh, born there in uh, Pisa in Italy. Uh, inventions on the state, well is it really an invention? Uh, basically uh, the Canadian flag, the maple leaf flag, uh, replaced the, the classic one with the ensign and the British stamp on it. And uh, 1965 was when the Canadian flag was adopted there following a royal proclamation. And in 1903 the very first teddy bear was sold, Morris Mictum. Uh, began uh, selling stuffed bears in his toy shop on this day in 1903 and he had asked and checked with President Theodore Roosevelt for permission to use the president's nickname and he, yep so there it was Teddy the teddy bear was born uh, soon other toy companies were churning out copies with their own teddy bears I remember my teddy bear at the back if you just squeezed it it made a little rock, rock, rock sound and uh, it was a bit of the hand-me-down one but so by the time I got it it didn't have any fur left on it but I've still got it and it's in my pool room there you are so uh That is February the 15th. Good luck to you and all your teddy bears out there.
Okay, it's more of a cabinet than a pool room, but we, we, we you know, we refer to it as the pool room. Uh, joining us now from the business team, it's Anand Zaki. Kia ora, man. How are you? Kia ora. Very well, thank you. What else is in that uh, cabinet, mate? Oh, there's, well, there's some good stuff in there. Of um, <laughs> No, 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 I don't want Okay, I will. Uh, there was a, uh, a basketball player that uh, saw a television program I was on and quite liked it and signed it. So I've got a Clyde Drexler autographed basketball in there. That's that's my that's my my, my pride and joy. But anyway, um, the country's biggest bank out there. This is good to hear too. Uh, offering support for customers affected by the cyclone. Yes, uh, devastating scenes yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, just right across the North Island. Uh, so our biggest bank, uh, ANZ, says uh, customers experiencing financial strain shouldn't wait to get in touch. Uh, the director of business, Lorraine Mapu, uh, said there's a range of support options available for both business and personal banking customers, uh, like uh, restructuring uh, loan payments or access to additional credit. Uh, the bank uh, has also simplified processes for things like uh, temporary overdrafts for customers uh, who are waiting for their insurance claims to be sorted, which uh, we know from uh, past uh, natural disaster events can take a while sometimes. And uh, also for those applying for a KiwiSaver uh, significant hardship withdrawal uh, for amounts up to $5,000. They've made that uh, a little bit easier, uh, the process a little bit easier. Uh, the bank is also uh, waiving a number of fees, and uh, those in hardship can break term deposits. Now, ANZ uh, is also encouraging uh, personal and home loan customers to just uh, talk to them if they need to relieve pressure on their financial situation. Uh, like I mentioned uh, at the start, they could potentially access additional uh, credit or have their home loan repayments restructured. Um but perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, their call centres are experiencing high demand. So you might be on the phone for a while and the bank is asking people to be patient. And while a number of branches uh, had to be shut due to the uh, horrendous weather, uh, support options can be found on the ANZ website. That's good to hear because I know a lot of people uh, will be hoping for that security and that comfort. Anand, thank you uh, very much for your time. You can hear more from the business team on the morning report this morning at 10 to 7. Let's have a look at the international money markets now. What does the New Zealand dollar do as it battles through cyclones? Well, uh, it'll buy you 63.49 US cents, 90.86 Australian cents. It'll buy you Exactly 59 euro cents, 51.96 British pence, 4.33 yuan and 84.12 Japanese yen. The time now at the moment is 25 to 6 and of course yesterday was Valentine's Day which is usually one of the busiest days for florists this year. Obviously things were less than rosy for Auckland businesses thanks to Cyclone Gabrielle. Several parts of the city are cut off still uh, with a national state of emergency in place and blooms weren't top of the mind for most people. But as our producer, Mavashi Kram, discovered, it's been a massive blow to florists on what should have been one of their busiest days of the year. This year's Valentine's Day was anything but business as usual for West Auckland florist Rewin Kelly. So, I mean, we should be absolutely knee-deep in customers now. And they're staying away because it's a national emergency <laughs> when all said and done. And they've been told to stay at home unless they need to come out. Rewin owns Flowers on Hilltop in Glendine. Her own home was also affected by the floods. You know, I've walked out of my uh, house with a flooded bathroom and no power to be here for the customers today. 
Raywin's staff worked against the odds to deliver flowers to customers. We had to re- remove a tree branch and go up on the pavement out in uh, Ranui, Swanson. And we had to go through about a foot deep of water out that way as well, but the deliveries got through. But Chobana Ranchodji of Roma Blooms in Auckland CBD was not so lucky. As of 3pm, several of her orders were returned because of bad weather. 36 deliveries had come back to the shop, and that's for re-delivery. The deliveries that come back to us, we just, we just bite the bullet and pick up that cost. Like Graywin from West Auckland, she says Valentine's Day business was half of what it usually is. In South Auckland, Jane McLean runs her flower business from home. Well, the courier system that I use, decided they weren't working yesterday or today because they felt that the, the weather was likely to be dangerous for the drivers. They've got a lot of drivers, so um, they, they didn't. They didn't work today. They cancelled anything they were doing. So Jane decided to deliver the flowers herself. So how many deliveries have you made on your own that a courier would make? 15, 20. How far were these places that you went to? Oh, Papatoi, Manukau, Otara, Mangere. Hmm. How long did it take you to, to deliver all these flowers? Oh, about three hours. Mother Shikram with that report. Uh, Dargaville and Whangarei uh, were the Northland towns worst affected by ex-tropical cyclone Gabrielle. Evacuation, uh, evacuations and road closures continued yesterday as the storm's tentacles moved away from the region. Sumia Balmidi Party reports. While the worst may be over, Northland continues to feel the effects of the ex-tropical cyclone, with evacuations in Dargaville and Fangare yesterday. Between the two towns, the small farming district of Tangiteroria is drowning in murky floodwaters, which stretch across hundreds of acres. Dion Blacksland's home is almost surrounded. His wife and children evacuated on Sunday, but he stayed on to secure their home and animals as best he can. Because your home's your home, it's your livelihood. That's where you live and your kids live. And so, yeah, you come back to keep an eye on things. If it actually hit the house, yeah, I would have just jumped in the truck and gone because yeah. I can't do anything else. Dion Blacksland says most of his neighbours will be doing the same thing as him. He's been without electricity since Sunday and says while it's inconvenient, it's not the end of the world. I'm on tank water, so I'm a pump on going because I've got no power, but like I said, I've got a digging bucket out, the fresh water's falling in from the sky, so I'll just go out and top up the water on that. If I need to boil it, I'll boil it on the, the hops. While it seems the worst may have passed for Whangare residents, for some it's still not over. On Whareora Road, Mike Proctor's place needs a huge clean-up after a landslip sent a slew of mud across the road and through the property at about 8 o'clock on Monday night. It was not there and then it was there, so yeah, it just, it just, yeah it's like someone just turned on the tap, it just, it just rushed through. We're actually um, hunkered down, we're just watching a movie, like thinking things were going to be fine, but yeah. But we're really fortunate it didn't come into the house, it came really close, um, came right up to the doorstep. But Civil Defence says the house is still safe and the family's looking forward to moving back in. I'd much rather this than um, flood water coming into the house because that's carpets are up and chipboard and you're 
it was 12 months last time we had a flood through this valley for a lot of these houses to get people to residents to get back into their houses so it's yeah. good we're we're strangely it's a silver lining we're happy meanwhile homes on nearby Hakawai lane have been evacuated because of the risks of further slips with many homes uninhabitable thousands without power and the sun yet to break through the gray northland residents are ready to say goodbye to gabriel It is 20 to 6, Nathan Rarity here at First Up on RNZ National. Uh, still to come, our reporter Leonard Powell talks to strand- stranded residents of Coromandel. They were isolated after those strong winds and intense rain cut off power, flattened trees and blocked roads. Still many without power and uh, if any communications up there too. Uh, and also we'll have the Greens co-leader Marama Davidson with us. <laughs> The professionals of Morning Report are here after six and for a quick preview of our flagship news programme, it's Kim Hill. Kia ora, how are you? Uh, kia ora, Nathan. I'm fine, thank you. But the upper half of the North Island in a shocking state. Mm. Of course, as we know, after the battering it's taken from the cyclone, Gabrielle. We'll bring you as much information as we can on Morning Report this morning from places like Wairoa in the Hawke's Bay, Murawai, Dargaville. Extraordinary statistics. Bring the uh, disaster home. It's estimated about 2,500 people have been displaced by the cyclone. Some areas cut off entirely. And um, to the listener who plaintively texted yesterday morning, is there no other news? The answer is not really. We will speak to, among many others, the Emergency uh, Management Minister, Kieran McNulty. McNulty, excuse me, I always miss out that syllable. I have to practice. There's certainly no other news if the water's coming up uh, into your house. And you're on the roof. No. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. There we go. Kim, thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Kim Hill uh, with us up after uh, six o'clock there, of course, with Corin with morning reports. So we'll go to Coromandel now. Large parts of the peninsula remain cut off without power due to Cyclone Gabrielle. A huge slip during last month's floods meant that State Highway 25A between Kopu and Tairua was already closed. And with contractors flat tack clearing the huge amount of debris, now littering the roads, locals are mucking in with shovels and chainsaws to try and get things open. Our own Leonard Powell is among those isolated in Tairua on the Coromandel's east coast. The four-square supermarket on Main Road in Tairua was the place to be on Tuesday afternoon. In fact, it was one of the only places to be. After revving up the generators, the shop opened its doors to grateful customers after Cyclone Gabrielle ripped through the seaside town and cut it off from the rest of the country. And everyone has a story to share about the storm. While we were walking towards the estuary, and as we do every day, walking our dog, yeah, we heard this big crack, almighty crack, and then uh, my wife jumped up and she thought it was like um, a thunder or lightning and stuff like that, and we saw the tree go over, but just before... Just before that, like a few seconds, a car just drove past. Yeah, and it would have got them if they a bit, little bit later, you know? So, yeah, pretty um, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so we had a chat to him, and he says, oh, thank God for that. And I said, mate, go and buy a lotto ticket, really. We've been here 31 years, and I can't recall quite this much damage. Um, like I've never seen the harbour that caramel coloured before. It's obviously a lot of water, silt come down. I guess it was the, just that howling noise. It was just this roar and a and a howl, and it was yeah, it was actually. And, and of course, then every time you got a big wind gust, 
that was um, pretty frightening as well. So, yeah, it was, it was a little bit scary, but we survived. What purchases have you made at the shop today? Uh, ice. Ice, uh, butane, and just odd Bread. shit. Yeah, <laughs> survival and comfort food. At the local fire station, Deputy Chief Ricky Rotawa was getting ready to head out again, even though he and his colleagues had been working through the night. Um, it was, uh, the wind was blowing, uh, flooding everywhere, and we had six call-outs, one after the other, ranging from uh, roofs lifting, sheds flying all around the place, and people worried about uh, what might happen next, so we had to go and do those incidents, you know. How, how many volunteers were here? Um, just about everybody was here. Uh, we had a team of four that slept overnight um, and with others standing by. What's the situation now with what the fire brigades here is offering for people? Um, there is a lot of old people here and um, some of them need um, gasoline or something to keep their um, oxygen machines going. So we've dealt with that and the civil defence have too. Um, and we're just making ourselves um, visible, you know, around town. Um, if they they come up to us, and we they um, tell us what they need, and hopefully we can help them out. There's a lot to do. Local man Mike Cleary was out with a shovel, clearing a massive debris blocking Sailors Grave Road. This is normally a little stream that goes under a culvert, but clearly that's blocked up, and there's been a build-up of debris and mud behind it and it's let go like a dam. It's carried a whole lot of earth, tree stumps across and blocked this road completely and uh, that's going to be quite a major repair job and quite a lot of spoil to cart off somewhere and it's created a, a little valley plateau where it's come out. And so there's people you're not sure how many, but there is people down below the slip who can't, won't be able to get out. Yep. Several permanent residents down there, you know, six to ten. It uh, varies a bit, but uh, yeah, they're, they're stuck at the moment. They can, you can walk across this uh, carefully, uh, probably without just going to get a lot of mud in your gumboots if you sink into it. Bruce Michael was also mucking in. Mike and I with a couple of shovels and uh, half a day would probably clean a drive through it. You'd be helping of course Lenny. I, 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 I think I have to. Um, is, that what's, is that what's on the cards? Because there's likely slips in other places. Do you feel like it's just going to be up to you, up to locals to clear it off? Don't know but if this is symptomatic of what's happened around the place when they're talking about the power supply not coming on for you know a few hours I think we could be talking more like a few days or a week. And how are, your, how are your stocks at your place for dealing with no power like that? We've got a little generator. We're going to see if it works after about 10 years of um, sitting in a shed. Regan Jones's place on Pumpkin Hill Road was completely cut off. Completely blocked in, power lines down across the driveway. Huge, huge numbers of slips and huge numbers of pine trees down across the, the drive in the road. I meet British tourists Nikki and Ken Burkham as they're pulled up by the side of the road trying to figure out how to get down to Mount Monganui, where they'd planned to watch the cricket on Thursday. They're in New Zealand for a nice relaxing holiday and couldn't pass up the chance to visit the sunny Coromandel. Well, we've been in New Zealand for a week, um, started in Auckland, then we went up to Coromandel, so the last two to three days have been pretty miserable. <laughs> we've just been inside, haven't we? Yeah. Have you had any um, contact with people back home asking you if you're doing okay or that sort of thing? No, no. because we've had no, we had no, there we've was no signal. Yeah, no. and there was no electricity <laughs> last night and so we had no Wi-Fi and so... 
And being on holiday, residents here have been asked to have stocks and supplies, but you're sort of, you're on the move, on the fly. What sort of food have you been eating the last few days? Uh, So mostly just bread and we've got juice and water and... And this wasn't the New Zealand you were picturing coming to from from England, was it, Ken? Not really, no, 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 definitely not. We thought, um, well, being the end of your summer was would be quite decent weather, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, just some of the stories. Of course, uh, Leonard Powell uh, still in Coromandel. It's time now for our weekly chat with the co-leader of the Green Party, and it's Marama Davidson who's with me now. Kia ora, welcome uh, to the programme. Just wondering, stories that, that you might have heard uh, around from, from, from your electorate. Yeah, morning, Nathan. I'm in Tamaki Makoto, based in Manarua. Um and we're Nathan. We're of course still trying to come to terms with the floods, the Auckland floods from um, over the past couple of weeks as well. Um, the centres down here in Manarua, we've actually we actually had one of the first three civil defence centres in Ranwick Park, which is Manarua, which is just down the road from me. So I've been um, grateful to be able to be based there most of the time. And just um, just really want to give a big heartwarm thanks out to the people in all different organisations and just local community volunteers who are trying to look after people and do what they can. People coming into um, the various centres around Auckland, which is where I, of course, have most of my eyes and focus, just absolutely desperate, Nathan, and mm. shock. Um, as, as you can imagine, um, not expecting any of this, and so just a bit of desperation and really grateful, I have to say. People are just um, so grateful to be greeted with some dignity and, and care. Um, but look, Nathan, I can barely keep up with what's happening around the country, just trying to get a handle on every every hour there seems to be something new, some new river has burst, some bridge, um, more more loss of life and livelihood even as I wake up early this morning, Nathan. So uh, it's heartbreaking. And I think just, you know, as we saw with my colleague and co-leader James yesterday, heartbreaking because of of the successive decades of inaction um, that has led to this as well. Yeah. When when was the opportunity, do you think, when was it first missed to, to do something about this? Well, we can say that um, in the past five years, James has led a turnaround in action, more action um, to fight climate change than we have seen in 30 decades. So 30 decades ago would have been an ideal time, Nathan, but the next ideal time is now, and that's Mm. what we can sort of take hope in. You know, you get people now that go, yeah, but, you know, we don't produce that much of of this problem. It's not really ours. It's the other parts of the world. And just because we start, why would, you know, big polluters follow? Do you you think there's a chance that we set an example for this? Or are there other smaller nations that are setting examples for the world that could be followed? There's every chance that we must show leadership. We absolutely must. And, you know, Aotearoa New Zealand, we're used to being leaders on the world stage and you know, achieving quite a bit for our little country tucked down here. But we must because there are other smaller nations and communities, um, people right on the on the forefront, Pacific communities, um, indigenous peoples and uh, climate activists, school children around the world who are asking for leaders and communities everywhere to have some responsibility and step up. So we must. We must do what we can. Um, and also, you know, there's both um, reducing our emissions for a 
more climate resilient economy, but there's obviously adaptation, Nathan. There's how we're building our homes and towns and cities and how we are working with nature rather than against her. Hmm. It can be hard though because, you know, that's that's competing with dollars and and dollars often have a very, very loud voice in setting policy over the years, don't they? Oh, you'd, you'd, you'd wish that actually, Nathan. I wish that were actually true because the longer we wait, the more dollars, you know, that's hmm. actually just going to get more and more expensive. So actually, no, the, it's the short term uh, thinking that is what we have to compete with because actually the longer we wait, the longer we put aside proper planning for, for adaptation, um, the more expensive it will be. So actually, I wish that 30 years ago, uh, people would have said, actually, let's let's get some investment into this now. We're going to save ourselves billions in the long run. But it's just the right thing to do. It's like I just, I come down to the, to the ground level where people are, Losing loved ones, losing, you know, I believe we've had more deaths um, overnight through the news around the mm. country. And livelihood, like that, that's not even about money, Nathan. That's just humanity. There was, you know, um, the the thought. So, so Parliament's not sitting at the moment, and it was for MPs to to go back to their to their uh, electorates or their, their homes to to help out there as well. Was there ever the thought of hang on, maybe it's better if we're all here in Parliament to to make decisions? Well, um, first of all, um, there are MPs. MPs have also, you know, got families and and interests in helping to support their own communities. And actually, that's a really good place for MPs to be able to be as well um, to do this mahi. And we have a share of MPs across all political parties who are also based in Wellington. Um, as an Auckland MP, uh, you know, and we've seen MPs in the Auckland floods. Um, already had to deal with their own homes and and households um, flooding and being at risk. We uh, had Ricardo from the Greens who they had to rip their carpet up uh, all last week um, because their own home got flooded and they were evacuated. At the same time, Ricardo was busting down to the local centres every day advocating for people to get their civil defence payments and what and what they need. Um, so MPs also have, you know, I was really weary of leaving the four generations in my household um, and wanting to make sure that my own were, were good to go. I think that's a really good way to also give back to our communities. And, you know, we unfortunately were barred by the National Party from having a remote parliament. We could have still engaged in um, decision-making without having to try and hop on a plane, which the airports were closed, of course, and trying to get our way to Wellington in shitty weather. So, you know, but the NAP blocked us being able to make decisions via remote parliament in a way that could have been safe while also allowing us to contribute to supporting our own communities. Ah. Marama, thank you very much for your time. Marama Davidson, co-leader of the Green Party. Look, just to update you uh, on some conditions that come around uh, here, Daniel actually in Waikato said, look, it's a really uh, weirdly cleary star, star sky filled sort of night here as well. Uh,
just a, a lot of outages still happening. Obviously, uh, Napier, Taradale, plenty happening out there as well, up towards Wairoa as well. Still haven't heard from around the Mahia region and also Gisborne too. But uh, for those of you in Hawke's Bay, very quick, just selection of power outages. Uh, 1,227 houses still affected in Havelock and Tukituki. In fact, th- these numbers are up in the hundreds here as well, out at Kahuranaki, uh, Marae Totara, Ocean Beach, Tukituki and also Waimarama. Uh, in, uh, in, in Hastings there, Frimley, Mahora and Tamorna. Uh, you guys, uh, 1,346 uh, houses there without power. Waihi as well, there's 678. We actually got some uh, just a report here from Hawke's Bay Civil Defence Emergency Management Group. So they've been up with the helicopter there over Wairoa. Looks like a lot of flooding in the, the part where you go up through to Fraserton or also the road out to uh, Whakake as well, just on the north side uh, of the river there over on North Clyde. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, we will wait to hear more from that. Morning Report is next with Kim and Corin from all of us here at First Day. First up, have a wonderful day. Keep safe. We'll be back in your ears after all.